I'm sure we are all concerned by the escalating conflict currently taking place between Israel and Palestine, as well as the loss of lives, including children. War is a tragedy and causes so much pain and trauma. May we continue to pray for peace to prevail. Kevin Connor had a particular interest in Israel and God's plans and purposes for this people group, both historically and in our time. This is a sensitive topic, and he always sought to handle it with both grace and truth. A copy of the handout notes for this teaching series can be downloaded for free as a PDF or Word document at www.kevinconnor.org forward slash Israel. Also, the material from this teaching is covered extensively in three particular books by Kevin Connor, What About Israel, Restoration Theology, and New Covenant Realities. Visit his website for further details. Although given well over a decade ago, we hope that this timely teaching will assist you in navigating these current times with both faith and wisdom. Well, we'd like to welcome everybody to uh, the advanced track and uh, trust it'll be challenging as well as informative to you. So I'd like you to turn to your first sheet you've got here, advanced life track, what about series? Just by way of introduction here. All right, so uh, my wife and I, we don't go to a regular uh, life group, but we go to a number of life groups that have a Q&A night, question and answer night, and uh, we get all sorts of questions from acupuncture to the Antichrist to uh, karate <laughs> to the mark of the beast to predestination, all sorts of questions which we really enjoy doing. So uh, some of the questions we've got, uh, what we want to cover here uh, if we can. So uh, reading off your, uh, on, your, on your page here, many questions are being asked in these days with so many things uh, taking place in the world, naturally, spiritually, economically, nationally and internationally. The advanced track will expound on some of these things in this What About series. Uh, this class is the advanced track and is only suitable for those who have completed the previous life tracks. Some of the questions that will be considered, what about the end times, what in the world is going on, what about Jerusalem, what about the nation of Israel, about the Middle East, what about modern day Babylon, which is Iraq, and Persia, which is Iran, what about the cup being given to the nations, what about God's judgments on the earth, what about the Olivet Discourse and prophecies of Jesus, what about the consummation of the kingdom parables, how many think that's enough to cover there? All right, we're not going to be able to cover all these things here, but some of them. Uh, these are some of the things that will be addressed in our What About series. We are living in the divine terminal, and how many believe that the Bible is the news behind the news? Uh, so make sure you bring your Bible notebook, make sure you sign up, as this makes it possible to provide outline notes for all attendees, because sometimes... Uh, those who sign up, they miss out in the notes, and then we have to run off more. So I'd like to encourage you to do that. All right, so uh, uh, let's go to your, your, your regular sheet here. And the lesson we're going to do tonight is what about the time of the end? Okay, now I'd like, to, um, I'd like you to turn to Daniel chapter 12. How many have not got a Bible? Why? Okay, make sure you bring your Bible because this is a Bible teaching night. So I'd like you to turn to the uh, book of Daniel. And uh, if we don't do it tonight, we'll, we'll make time uh, for uh, some questions later on. Okay, so uh, Daniel chapter 12, I'm going to read from um, 
New King James. So I've got Old King James on one column and New King James on the other. And uh, what I want you to pick up, if you haven't already marked your Bible, I'd like you to note the use of the word time in this chapter alone. We'll do a few more as we work through our session tonight. But what about the time of the end? All right, so uh, we're going to read uh, Daniel chapter 12 and uh, from Old King James, New King James, or whatever translation you've got. All right, so uh, notice uh, in uh, verse 1, at that time... Everybody say time. Time. At uh, that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a, everybody say it, time of trouble. If you mark your Bible, I've circled everywhere a reference to time uh, in the book, but especially in this chapter. Uh, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the, in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until what? The time of the end. I want you to think of that because that's where we're concentrating on. Time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and there, uh, there stood two others, one on this river bank and uh, one on that river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen, so three persons involved here, like two witnesses and the man clothed in linen, pointing to our Lord Jesus Christ, who was above the waters of the river, how long shall the fulfillment of these uh, wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Although I heard, I did not understand." Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? So time of the end. And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed and sealed till the time of the end. Notice the expression again. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from that time or from the time of the daily sacrifice is taken away, that the daily sacrifice is taken away, pardon me, and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be uh, 1290 days. Blessed he who, is he who waits and comes to the uh, 1,000 or 1,335 days, but you go your way till the end, um, for you shall rest and you will rise to your inheritance at the end of the days. May God bless his word to our heart. All right, now, just go to your notes a little uh, moment here. All right, so we've read the scripture here. So uh, we're, what we want to do in our series, look at uh, some end time updates. So many things happening in the world with Israel, with Jerusalem, with the Middle East, with uh, ancient Babylon, which is the modern day Iraq uh, and Iran, everything like that. How many think there are some tremendous and frightening things happen, happen, happening? Okay, so uh, the Bible, as I've already said, the news is the news behind the news. And uh, 
Turn, turn over to this uh, next scripture, what I've called the divine terminal, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And I've uh, used this a few times, but I'd like to use it. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And uh, we'll pick up verse 7. I'm going to read it from uh, Old Authorized here. So it says, All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full, unto the place from whence the rivers come, till they return again. All right, this is how I like to apply this scripture. All the rivers run into the sea. So in the book of Genesis, it's like all the truths. There are many, many, many truths that are seeded in the book of Genesis and uh, all the rivers of truth that begin there, like in the mountain of God, in the creation and everything in, in the seed book of the Bible, they all run into the sea. So what we may say, these rivers of divine truth and divine revelation that begin in Genesis, they run through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua... Judges, Book of Ruth, won't we say them all? Right through the 66 books of the Bible, right into the book of Revelation, which is like the sea of fulfillment. So just uh, keep that in mind then. So all the rivers run into the sea. So they all begin in Genesis, run through to the book of Revelation, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence say the rivers come, and where they come from, in the beginning, God in the beginning. So everything goes back to the beginning. We go back to God. So uh, unto the place from uh, whence the rivers come, there they return again. So everything begins in the book of Genesis, runs through every book of the Bible uh, into the sea of fulfillment, the book of Revelation, then go back to God. So in the beginning, uh, God. And in the end, God is going to be. All right, reading off our note here, God is the greatest the most truthful and perfect news report. Everybody said amen. amen. He is never, that was a weak amen. Thank you for the underwhelming response. Everybody said amen. amen. That's better. He is never guilty of untruths, bias, slander, or, or slanted reporting like most of our newspapers are. All right, there's a time for everything. And uh, uh, of, of the two chapters in the, in the Bible, um, I did have that printed somewhere else. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You just make a note of this if you want to. There's a time for everything. There's uh, just one other chapter in the Bible where the word time is used so many times. So you needn't uh, turn to it. I'll read a, a little bit. It's from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 8 and verse 11. So uh, bear with me as I uh, you know, uh, lead into this. So everything, there's a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. So season and time. And then he goes through about the word time is used at least 30 times or 31 times just in that chapter alone, let alone the book of Daniel. So Daniel chapter 12, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, uh, they are the two greatest chapters uh, that use the word time the most. So a time to be born and a time to die. Don't like that part. A uh, time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill, time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, time to weep, a time to laugh, time to mourn, a time to dance, time to cast away stones, a time to gather up, uh, stones together, a time to embrace, time to refrain from embracing, time to get, time to lose, 
how many like all these times, especially the negative one, time to lose. Time to keep, time to cast away, time to uh, tear, and it's time to sow, time to keep silence, time to speak, time to love, a time of hate, time of war, and time of peace. And then it ends up in verse 11. Uh, referring to God. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he's put eternity in men's hearts so that no man can find out the work that God uh, does from the beginning to the end. All right, so everything. And then uh, in, in the couple of scriptures there, you'll find that Jesus, he comes to the people and uh, uh, they're asking for a sign from heaven. And uh, Jesus said, you can discern the face of the sky but you can't discern the signs of the times. And so as we look out today and see what's going on, uh, we have to recognize what's going on in the signs of the time. Uh, and the, uh, we have that confirmed in, in Mark chapter 8 also. And then in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter th- uh, twelve thirty-two, uh, we're told about the men, men of the Is- tribe of Issachar, they had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. So as believers, we need to have understandings of the, of the time, uh, what, uh, you know, what's going on today, not be in it, uh, ignorant of these things. All right, now, I've already referred to this, but I'd like you to bear with me again. Turn to Psalm 90. Psalm 90. And I want to repeat something that uh, uh, I think we did in Psalms class. Psalm 90. So just uh, bear with me here as we uh, look at this uh, chapter here, Psalm 90. All right, now, you'll notice those of you got, you got your Bible with you, this is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. So remember, Moses wrote uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the, the Torah, or the first five books of the Bible. Now, notice that uh, the key words in this uh, chapter, and as I said, I'm repeating something here just as we prepare the ground for what we want to do tonight. The key words in in this psalm, written by Moses, so remember that, uh, are the words years and days. So notice in verse 4, or we'll lead uh, lead into verse 1 and 2 for a start. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations, even the, uh, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God, or thou art God. So I'd like to uh, uh, repeat this here. So just let's uh, imagine a circle here. So from everlasting to everlasting, there, uh, you are God. So uh, like a circle without beginning, without end. So from eternity, to eternity, you are God. So God is eternal. So eternity to eternity. How many, how many have a good me- memory and remember me doing this? Okay, from eternity to eternity, you are God. Then in verse 4, we have God's time and God's time clock. And uh, there's a difference of opinion on this, but this is the opinion I hold. For a thousand years in your sight, uh, but as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night. If you want to put the uh, uh, New Testament quotation, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8. 
Second Peter chapter three, verse eight, where Paul, uh, Peter, pardon me, is writing to spirit-filled believers and he said, I don't want you to be loved. I don't want you to be ignorant of, of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. So in God's time, uh, if we look at God's calendar, uh, one day to the Lord is like a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. So uh, Peter's writing to spirit-filled believers and says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this thing. All right, now, one day with us is 24 hours, but one day with the Lord is as a thousand years. So man's days and years are different to God's days and years. All right, let me ask you a question. And uh, if you've answered this before, don't worry about getting caught if you get caught. Uh, how many believe that Adam died in the day he sinned? Remember God gave the word when he put Mr. and Mrs. Adam in the Garden of Eden and said, okay, in the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die. Now did Adam and uh, Eve when they ate of the tree, did they die in the day they sinned? How many would say yes? yes? How many would say no? How many haven't got a hands? How many are frightened of getting caught? <laughs> the, how many got a lying spirit? Okay, the answer is yes and no. They died spiritually in the 24-hour day they sinned, but Adam lived 930 years and then died. No man's ever lived a thousand years. So God's talking, in the day you sin, you'll surely die. So Adam died in the day of sin. And all the patriarchs which lived, uh, you know, eight or nine hundred years or more, they all died. No man's ever lived a day. I'm looking forward to a thousand years in the book of Revelation where we live happily ever after. The devil's bound. He's put in the BP. The bottomless pit, in case you thought it was the gas station. It is. Uh, but no man's ever lived a day. Then we'll live eternally and then some. So God is talking, in the day you sin, you'll surely die. So no, no man's ever lived a day. But now we go down to verse 9 and note the next use of the word years or days. And I don't like this one. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale it is told. So man's days and years. Then in verse 10, nasty, nasty, nasty. Thanks, Moses. Uh, the days of our years are three score years and ten. That's what? 70. 70 years. So we're all basically guaranteed 70 years, I think. Okay? And I don't like this last part. If by reason of strength they be four score years, what's that? 80 years, and I'll be 85 in February. I don't look 85, do I? Who said 105 back there? Okay, uh, see you later. Okay, if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it's soon cut off, and we fly away back to Australia, which I've just come from, US. Okay, all right, so our days, our years. So verse, one, uh, verse 4, God's days, a thousand years in your sight, uh, but as yesterday was passed, but our days and our years. Then the next use of our uh, verse uh, is in verse 12. I've circled the words. That's why it's my, my, my fingertips. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Then in verse uh, 14, the next use of the word days. O oh, satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. 
And then the last reference is verse uh, 15. Make us glad according to the days wherein you have afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. So God's days and man's days, God's years. So a thousand years in God's sight, uh, but as yesterday was past. So, all right, now, listen carefully to this on your, on your notes here. When man sinned, he sort of bought a seeker watch because time and sin are synonymous. Now, this is important to get hold of because, you see, if Adam and Eve hadn't have sinned, and when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to them both, and say, so you took 930 years, Adam, and you left me a miserable 70. I managed to stretch it to 80 by the grace of God, <laughs> 85. But, uh, yeah, how many would like to talk to Adam and Eve about that? All right. So notice time and sin are synonymous because if Adam and Eve hadn't have sinned, they could still be alive because the tree of eternal life was available to them. So they could have eaten of the tree of eternal life. But in the day you sin, God's talking, you will surely die. So they took of the forbidden tree and uh, took of sin and death. The death penalty was there. And they died spiritually within the 24-hour day and then physically 930 years later. So time and sin. That's why I say when Adam and Eve sinned and uh, partook of the forbidden tree, they bought themselves a Seco watch and they were ticked off. Tick, 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 tick. Time began. So time, now I'd like you to make a note of this because we'll get back to it in due time. Uh, We're talking about the time of the end not the end of time. Now, there is a difference. We're talking about events that are taking place in the time of the end, but not the end of time. Because it's not till you get to uh, Revelation chapter 10 where it says, uh, depending on your translation, time shall be no more. When an end is made of sin, then it is an end of time. Time shall be no more. You can throw your seeker, watch the Antichrist or whoever wants to pick it up here. Okay? So that's important to remember. Time and sin are synonymous. Now, let's go to our board again and remind you, for those who haven't had this, remember this is time. And I'd like to give you Connor's definition of time. God is eternal, from everlasting to everlasting and from eternity to eternity, you are God. So God's not bound by time, but as I've got in your notes, God is not bound by time, but works in time. So a little definition, Connor's definition of time. What is time in relation to man? Time is a fragment of eternity in which God is working out his purposes in relation to Number one, creation. And number two, redemption. So what is time? Just a little fragment, a little portion of eternity in which God's working out his purposes in earth. Here we have earth in relation to creation and redemption. Okay, now... Just, we'll have to move on this quickly, but see, when you go back to what we call the week of creation, God worked one, two, three, four, five, six days. Six days, whatever the days were. I mean, there's 
controversy over it, but whatever the days were, the evening and the morning were the first day, evening and morning, second day, evening and morning. Six days, God worked six days in creation. Seventh day, he rested. So Adam and Eve actually began off with their honeymoon and could have lived there ever after. They began with a day of rest, seventh day. God blessed the Sabbath. Well, it, wasn't, it doesn't call it the Sabbath, but he blessed the seventh day and rested and was refreshed. So six days. Now, when man sinned, man's sin broke God's rest and man's rest. So God had to begin working again. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 5 somewhere, my father works and I work. Which person of the Godhead is at work now? The Holy Spirit. So my father works and I work. So what happened? God is following the same pattern here. And without setting any dates or anything like that, we have six days now in creation, seventh day rest, and then sin broke God's rest. Sin broke everybody's rest. And so God had to begin working again. This in what we call now the week of redemption. So God worked in the week of redemption, and I will, as I understand, okay, if you disagree, disagree agreeably, I believe God's working 6,000 years a day, and the Lord's 1,000 years, 1,000 years is one day, 6,000 years, and we don't know when time began, I mean, it's 20, 2012 soon, but six days, seventh day, and that's alluded to in Revelation chapter 20, where the devil is bound for a 1,000 years, and when the devil's bound, the source of sin Sickness, disease, temptation, and death. When the source is bound, what sort of a millennium are you going to have? I call mine a Christian millennium, not a Jewish one. Freeze that for the moment. Okay? All right, thank you, Kim. All right, man is a creature of time. So here we are, creatures of time. We're bound by time. We live in time. We work in time. We die in time. Okay, all right, now... I want you to go to your notes a moment. And uh, in Daniel chapter 12, if you pick this up, Daniel chapter 12, I want to refer to uh, five expressions that are used in this chapter, Daniel chapter 12. All right, did everybody get something out of that repeat? How many have never heard that before? Okay, thank you for the encouragement. Okay, so just turn back to Daniel 12, and this is what you should pick up. And I've got in your, uh, your notes there six areas that uh, we'll try and touch on. We may not get it all done because uh, we've got two sessions a night. Okay, number one, and this is on your notes here, number one. So God is eternal. He's not bound by time. He works in time. Time and sin are synonymous when an end is made of sin, end will be made of time. We'll have eternal life in the fullest sense of the word. Uh, God's not bound by time. It works in time. Man's a creature of time. Okay, so number one, first thing I want to draw to your attention is the time of the end. Okay, we'll come back in a moment. I just want to draw your attention to the outline. Number two, at that time, the time when Michael stands up. What does that mean? The time when Michael stands up. Then number three, 
over the other side of his sheet. Uh, the time of trouble. At that, that time, there shall be a time of trouble. All right, then number four. And then it says, uh, at that time, your people shall be delivered. So number four, there will be a time of deliverance. And then going down to verse uh, four, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Now, Daniel heard this, but he didn't understand it. So somewhere, how, how many do really believe we are in the time of the end? Not the end of time, but the time of the end. With so many things as we're going to go through in this, uh, these classes together, uh, the time of the end, so many things happening. And that's why I said, you know, all these rivers that began in Genesis sort of go through the, book of the books of the Bible right to uh, the consummation. And uh, we see some of those things happening. So time of deliverance. And then number five, the time when the seal book is Daniel. Now remember, uh, Daniel heard the things, but he said, I looked and I didn't understand. And in verse eight, although I heard, I did not understand. Are you understanding what I'm saying tonight? How many saying No. They told me in New Zealand, if you can't convince them, confuse them. Okay, we don't want to do that. I want you to understand. That's what, that's what this uh, advanced track is about. So I, I, though I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things be? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. So if we are in the time of the end, not the end of time, somewhere the book of Daniel has got to be opened. What was sealed to Daniel has got to be opened. And we would say amen on that. All right. And then, I'm not sure if we'll get this far. Number six, uh, go to verse, um, verse seven, about the middle of it. Uh, the man who clothed in linen lifts his right hand and left hand to heaven, swore by him who lives forever and ever. It will be for time, times, and half a time. What does that uh, refer to? So number, number six, that is, time, times, and half a time. All right, are you ready to think along with me? Thank you for the underwhelming response. Okay, all right, let's uh, move as we, am, am I going too fast tonight? No, no, no. You're always thinking fast, aren't you? Okay, all right. Okay, so... Um, Let's go back to number one now, the time of the end. And this is what you'll find, that this expression, the time of the end, is used, um, oh, at least, um, oh, how many times? I, I've got it here. Uh, it's used a number of times. So I, I'd, like, uh, I'd like you to go with me so that you do understand what I'm saying here. Uh, go back to Daniel chapter 8, 17. I'll put the verses there. Daniel eight seventeen, And note the use of this expression, the time of the end. So Daniel eight seventeen. And if you just want to put, uh, put a, brief, a brief quote down, that's fine. So note time in Daniel chapter 12, which we've done. Now in uh, Daniel eight seventeen. So he came near where I stood. And when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. Uh, but he said, uh, uh, said to me, understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. 
So the vision refers to the time of the end. Daniel chapter 8 verse 19, uh, alluding to the same thing, and, and he said, Look, I am making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation, for the appointed time the end shall be. Daniel chapter 11. So it's really important to understand what do we mean by the time of the end. Daniel 11 and uh, verse 27. And both these kings' hearts shall be, uh, be to do mischief, and they shall speak lies at one table, but shall not prosper, for the end shall be at the time appointed. So the time of the end, the appointed time. And verse 35, some of them of understanding shall fall uh, to try them and to purge and to make them white, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. Then Daniel 11, verse 40. At the time of the end shall the king of the south push for uh, push and so forth. So time of the end. That's the, that's the main thing I want to draw to your attention. So Daniel 12 and verse 4, we've already read it. Uh, shut up the words, Daniel, and seal the book until the time of the end. And the verse uh, 9 again, sealed until the time of the end. And then uh, Habakkuk chapter 2, we won't turn to that one, but he says about uh, the vision. Write the vision and make it plain until the time of the end. It shall be an appointed time. All right, now, let's ask ourselves the question. Okay, Daniel uses this expression at least uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven, eight times. So when is the time of the end? Have we got any answer to that? I want you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew and I believe Jesus gives us the answer. Okay, so let's go to Matthew uh, chapter 13. Uh, oh, let's see. Matthew chapter 24. All right, now, Matthew chapter 24 and, uh, I, 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 you know, we're not going to be able to read all the scriptures I've given you here, but enough. Uh, I want you to note in uh, Matthew 24 what Jesus said. I'm reading off your notes here. And I want you to note the beginning, the word beginning, and the word end. So let's go to verse uh, uh, 1 of chapter 24. Then Jesus went out. And departed from the temple. Now, I've said this before, I repeat myself again, but it's a physical, symbolic act. Jesus has been ministering in the temple for some three and a half years, and he went out. In fact, he just said in verse 38 of the previous chapter, See your house. At the beginning of his ministry, he said, It's my father's house. Now at the end of his ministry, when they reject the cleansing of the temple, he says, your house. Your house is left to you desolate, devoid of occupant. Now, verse, 20, uh, verse 1 of chapter 24. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And the moment he went out physically, it's symbolic also of him leaving Jewry and the temple. And uh, he prophesies his destruction. It's destruction. And his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, 
do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. So Jesus went out and departed from the temple and he's sitting on the Mount of Olives to which he'll return again. Uh, He prophesies the destruction of the temple. In AD 70, we'll see this later on. Verse 3, and as he sat, once you think of that position, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives. So Mount of Olives, seated position, physical, symbolic truth again. The disciples came unto him privately saying, uh, 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 it's like a threefold question. Tell us when shall these things be, number one. That's the throwing down of the temple. Number two, what shall be the sign of your coming? And number three, and of the end of the age. Now we're talking about the time of the end. So I want you to note the use of the word end and or beginning and end. Let's go to verse uh, four. Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one, no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am anointed, or I am Christ, and deceive many. So warnings against deception. You shall hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So circle the word end if you mark your Bible. Verse 3, and of the end of the age. And verse 6, wars, rumors of wars, deception. Don't be troubled. The end is not yet. Then continuing, verse 7, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in diverse places. So all these things. But note in verse 8, circle the next word. All these are the beginning of sorrows. They're not the end. They're the beginning. And I mean, all these things are happening today. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences, earthquakes, uh, it's, just, it, it's all happening. All these are the beginning of sorrow. So end, end, beginning. Then when you go down, and if you, if you look at the scriptures I've put on your, on your sheet there, he talks about the parables of the kingdom, that the harvest is the end of the age. Matthew 13. The angels will gather in the harvest, wheat and tares, good and bad fish. And uh, Matthew 28, verse 20, on your notes there, uh, I, am, I am with you till the end of the age. Now, here's the greatest sign of the end. So, time of the end. Daniel doesn't know, but Jesus gives it to us. Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations and then shall the end come. So we're living in the time of the end, but not the end of time. Do you know what? There's still over a thousand tongues that haven't got one verse of scripture in their language and haven't even heard the name of Jesus. I don't know how many have just seen this on the television recently where they found a tribe, where was it, New Guinea somewhere, way up in the hills there, stark naked living in their birthday suits and everything, never heard. Never touch civilization. And they say there's still nearly a thousand tongues they've never heard. 
the name of Jesus. And when John sees the picture, he sees out of every kindred, tongue, tribe and nation, there's going to be some fruit from the Lamb's death. That's worth a little baby. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there's a lot of work to be done yet. So mission work, still being, and then with the media and so forth. So time of the end, seal the book to the time of the end. When is the time of the end? How do we know the end is here? This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Everybody agree with that so far? So we are living in, that's really important that you get that. We're living in the time of the end, not the end of time. Okay, now let's go to number two quickly as time keeps moving here. Um, I want you to go to the next one here and... uh, I want you to look at this, uh, the time when Michael stands up. The time when Michael stands up. All right, now, as I said before, I, I'd like to encourage you to read the scriptures. And uh, those of you who did uh, Foundation Christian Doctrine uh, many, many years ago, I want you to look at the, the picture we've got here. All right, now it's spelled out pretty fully for you. The time when Michael stands up. So time of the end and number two, at that time, shall Michael, uh, shall Michael stand up? So what, what's the significance of this? All right, now in the Bible, as you've got on your notes there, and uh, we'll refer to that, we have three particular archangels. Now, according to Jewry, that there's uh, 12 archangels altogether, but three of them specifically mentioned in our Bible. And uh, make sure you understand what I'm saying here. Uh, we have the archangel before his fall, Lucifer. And then we have uh, the archangel Michael. And then we have the archangel Gabriel. All right, now, uh, there's difference of opinion on this on uh, uh, some de- denominations. Uh, but this is how I understand it. I think this is the best explanation. Lucifer used to be the archangel representing the Father, if you want to put that word there, archangel of the Father or representing the Father. Michael was the archangel of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, representing the Son. And then Gabriel is the archangel of or representing the Holy Spirit. So we're not saying Lucifer is the Father, though he is a Father, Father of lies, Oh, we're not saying that Michael is the son or Gabriel is the Holy Spirit. But we'll see what they, uh, the, the scriptures that we have. All right, so as Lucifer, he was the archangel of the Father. And as you read through those scriptures, he was the uh, worship leader. He, uh, the, he was the guardian angel of the throne. And his name means, Lucifer means light bearer. Bearer of light, archangel, angel of light. <clears throat> then he was the worship leader over the music. He's called Son of the Morning, called Day Star, and he was filled with wisdom. But we find that in that mystery of iniquity, he became the first and original sinner. He is the father of lies, so he falls. So, as we understand, he uh, took a third of the angels with him in his fall. So, sin began in heaven. And uh, that's something we don't uh, often think of. Sin began in heaven. And so, Jesus had to come from earth, 
from heaven to earth to deal with sin, but redemption is not only going to cleanse the earth and those who are redeemed, it's going to cleanse heaven. That's why when you get to Revelation chapter chapter 12, it says, Rejoice, ye heavens, there is war in heaven between Michael and his angels and the devil and his angels, but Michael overcome and the devil was cast out to earth. And it says, Rejoice, ye heavens, for the devil is... Uh, rejoice ye heavens, but woe to the earth, for the devil's come down to you having a short time. So sin defiled not only earth, sin defiled heaven. And so when Jesus died to cleanse the universe from sin, not only the earth, not only us as believers, but heaven has to be cleansed because sin began in heaven at the very throne of God. So heaven has to be cleansed. That's why Jesus entered into the heavenly sanctuary. All right, now when we look at Michael, and this is one we're particularly looking at, at that time, what time? The time of the end, shall Michael stand up? All right, so Michael representing the archangel or representing the sun. uh, His name means who is like God. And as you go through the references, and sorry we haven't got that type of time to go through, but Daniel chapter 10 Verse 12, 13, 21, uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse uh, 1 to 4, Michael's mentioned. Then Jude chapter 9, uh, Jude verse 9. Why don't we turn to that one? And uh, while you're turning to that, uh, Jude chapter, uh, verse 9, Jude 9. Now, wherever you find a reference to Michael, you'll always see he's in conflict with Satan, warfare with Satan, or conflict with the evil prince, and always associated with the resurrection of the body. So, uh, Jude, uh, verse 9, it says, Yet Michael the archangel, so no mistake here, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, not his soul, not his spirit. So you might like to underline that word, body, pardon me. So Michael the archangel, contending with the devil. So here we have a a fallen archangel, an elector archangel, Michael, and two archangels having a fisticuff because Michael is the archangel of the resurrection. The devil is the archangel of death. He brought about the fall of Adam and Eve, and uh, in the day you sin, you'll surely die. So there's all that link up. He disputed about the body of Moses, not the soul or the spirit, but the body of Moses. And uh, uh, some of you may remember this, but I personally believe that Moses was raised from the dead. And he turned up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Elijah, Moses and Elijah. And they're alluded to in the book of Revelation. So uh, note the respect even that Michael had for the devil. Uh, When they disputed about the body of Moses, he does not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuked thee. So I think we need to have a bit of respect for Satan. He's not almighty, but we still have some respect because he brought about our fall in Adam. 
Revelation chapter 12. Let's turn to that quickly. Revelation chapter 12. And uh, verse 7 we'll uh, read again. I'll read. And war broke out in heaven. This will be the war to end all wars. I mean, our wars on earth are bad enough. But war in heaven, that is really bad. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. So war in heaven, but they did not prevail. Hallelujah. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Deception was his first master weapon. Deception is his last master weapon. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come, have come. For the accuser of our brethren, the accused them before uh, our God day and night has been cast down, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb uh, and the by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Notice the article, to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows he has about a short time. When you get to chapter 13, you notice it says, The devil, uh, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and sea, and the sea. The first beast in Revelation 13 comes up out of the sea. The second beast comes up out of the earth. So the words are not there to fill up the book. Woe to the heavens of the earth and the sea. That precedes chapter 13. All right, then uh, in verse Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, back to your notes here. Uh, when Jesus comes the second time, he comes with a loud, uh, loud trumpet and the voice of the archangel. Maybe the voice of the archangel is that of Michael because there's a resurrection that takes place. That's why I put a question mark there or just put in parenthesis. Okay, let's go to the Holy Spirit uh, just a moment. Gabriel, Gabriel represents the Holy Spirit or the archangel of the Spirit. And you'll find that Gabriel always works with Michael just like the Holy Spirit works with the Son. He, he's involved in the cleansing of the sanctuary vision. He's involved in giving Daniel the 70-week prophecy. He's involved with Micah and warfare in Daniel chapter 10. And where does uh, Gabriel turn up again? He turns up to Zacharias at the altar of incense as the people are praying in the outer court. He appears to the Virgin Mary and tells her about the virgin birth. So he told Zacharias about the birth of John the Baptist, Messiah's forerunner. He appears to the Virgin Mary and tells her about the birth of the Christ child. His name means the strength of God. He's prophetic angel. And any time you see Gabriel in the scripture, he's always associated with messianic revelation interpretation. You need to uh, correct the typewriter. One spelling mistake. To Zechariah, Messiah's forerunner, John the Baptist, and it should be to Mary, <laughs> not Mark. Okay, the typewriter is not converted yet. To Mary, mother of the Messiah. So how many see that wherever Gabriel's mentioned, always in connection uh, with, uh, with revelation 
concerning the Messiah. Okay, let's turn over the page now, I think. All right, now, what is the significance? So we've worked through the three archangels. What is the significance of Michael standing up at that time? Michael shall stand up. All right, only because of time, I'm going to have to uh, skip some of the scriptures here. But I want you to take the, uh, 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 let's go to Saab 1. We'll just have to, uh, this is not in your notes. Psalm 1. And uh, to do this properly would uh, take a good hour to do it, but uh, this is seed sowing time. Psalm 1. Now, you'll notice in Psalm 1, verse 1, there's three human positions that are referred to. Blessed is the man that walks not walking. Everybody say walking. Walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands. Everybody say stands. Nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits. Everybody say sits. Okay, sits in the seat of the scornful. So three positions. The only position not mentioned is sleeping. So not allowed to sleep. So we have walking Standing, sitting. Now, you'll find that these three positions, not sleeping, there's a time to sleep, not in class though, but these three positions are mentioned a a number of times in Scripture. All right, now, let's look at, uh, uh, refer to Jesus, and I'll have to skip some of this, but uh, in John's Gospel, when uh, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. The next day he sees Jesus coming. He says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Um, and, he, uh, and the two, two disciples of John, they looked on Jesus as he walked, walking. And said, Where do you live? Walking. And then, we're going we're gonna to have to take a break, aren't we? Well, let me try and finish this. Okay, walking. So for three and a half years, Jesus was the perfect man walking on the earth. And the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I well please. Then when Jesus went back to heaven, what happened? The father said to the son, sit on my right hand until all your enemies be made your footstool. Sitting. So how many would say that Jesus is sitting at the Father's right hand now? But when you get to Acts chapter 7, which I haven't put down, there's too much here, uh, you'll find that Stephen was being stoned, and not on LSD, we better say that, for those of you who had the hippie Bible. Um, He says, I see heaven opened and Jesus standing. Now what's he standing for? to receive the first martyr who was a deacon, sorry for your deacons, uh, into heaven. And then he's seated. But when Jesus comes the second time, as long as Jesus is seated, he's seated on the mercy seat. And I'll put the scripture there for you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11, 13. The priest's daily ministering, oftentimes the same sacrifice, could never sit. They were always standing. 
because there was only one mercy seat and if the one of the priests said, look, I'm tired of standing off in these sacrifices. I know there's a mercy seat in there. Let's uh, sit on the mercy. How many of you know God would have blasted him down under? Because it had a little notice on it reserved for Jesus. When Jesus comes the second time, he stands. So it shows the significance at that time, the time of then, Michael will stand. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.